All right, everybody, have a seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. It is so good. It is so good to see everybody today. My name is Carrie, and if you're new, I want to say a personal welcome. Thanks for being a part of the awakening. And uh, we do. We would love to have you part of our family if you're looking for a home church. We are in exciting days. Today we began a series for the month of September called simply The Crossing. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapters 1 through 4, and this is going to be a great journey for us as individuals, but even more so as a church body. It was five years ago today that I stood in front of you as a church family, having uh, traveled here with my wife, Melissa, to decide if we should move our family from Indiana to Southern California to enjoy the beautiful sunshine. (laughs) We left that Sunday five years ago and went back and prayed. And we sought the Lord. I was told that I needed to make a decision quickly. Because we as a church family here were in a place of need and transition. And God laid on our heart to come. I remember sending the video. Some of you might remember it as well. I know there's been a lot of transitions in the last five years since we've been at this location. And uh, there's been ups and downs for sure. In fact, there's only like 30, 35 adults from that time five years ago that are still in this church family. So if you think that you've been uh, uh, a long-timer around here, uh, then maybe you have. But if you're new and you think that everybody else has been a long time, you're wrong. We're all sort of new to this. And uh, one of the challenges has been that we have um, needed, I believe, from the get-go... A prime location to do, as I said, I felt called to do when I came, and that is to rock the valley for Jesus Christ. We've had a lease on this facility. We extended that lease by one year. We have found a new location. Some of you have been there. It was announced, the young adults. I'm going to meet up with you all tonight there. That would be great to see you at uh, 6. But this location is not all that far from here, but it places us in a central part of the Temecula Valley, Marietta area. And interesting enough, this location is located in a um, retail complex that has condoed off a lot of different units. It's seen here in the map, uh, in the overhead view. And the retail complex, you know what it's called? You know what it's called? It's called Marietta Crossing. And what we are faced with this fall is to make a crossing. And we are going to go to the crossing. And we are going to reflect this month on the crossing that Joshua led the Israelites through. Because this idea of us moving to a new building will fall flat on its face if we're just thinking that a building will help us extend ministry to what God's called us to do in this valley. Because it won't. A building, a location is great. In fact, this is probably, I think, the best location we could have found in the valley. And I'll explain that more sometime. But whenever I say to somebody new or somebody out in the community, they say, oh, you're moving. Where are you moving to? I just simply say, and you know, in and out Burger on the 215. I know where that's at, right? Everybody knows the location. But a building, a location will not make a church. What makes a church is the head of the church, 
Jesus Christ living vibrantly through the lives of his followers. And so as Joshua did with the Israelites before they crossed the Jordan River to to occupy or to seize the, the promised land, so also with us, he exhorted them to consecrate themselves because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things. Now, it's interesting being the first Sunday of uh, like NFL kickoff, and there's a lot of excitement that goes around a football game, an engagement, whether you're watching it or you're in one of the big stadiums, and you like to be a part of a team. You like to be able to join together, especially if it's a winning team, right? I'm from Indianapolis, so I'm a Colts fan. We're just glad to have Andrew Luck back at quarterback this year. And we're going to engage in our favorite team and cheer them on. There's something about that unity of camaraderie that comes through, through being a part of a central team. Well, football's all nice and great, but the season comes and goes pretty quick. What you're a part of, though, is a team that's far greater than cheering on any football team. You are actually on the team. And you are at the front lines of the team. You, you are not on the JV squad. You are on the varsity squad. And you get to forward the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God, the rule of God, the rule of Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives of people. The Jesus Christ who came and said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The Jesus Christ who came to forgive sins, to be able to clear people's past, to be able to set them free, to be able to stand them strong and move them into the future, not only them, but their families and their friends and their community, and move them into an eternal destiny that is far superior and incredible than anything you and I can imagine. We are a part of the kingdom of God. And when I say I want to rock the valley for Jesus Christ, I don't want to... Just do it for a raw, raw cheer, cheer. I want us to do it for the sake of the lost. For the sake of those who have never had the opportunity that many of you have had to see transformation happen in your life. I want to see you be able to do it for the sake of of your families and the forwarding of God's kingdom uh, through the generations to come. We are going to do this together. We are going to do the crossing. We are going to go to a facility in Marietta Crossing. And we're going to cross over sometime, sometime this fall. Now, I would like to stand before you and give you the exact date. It most likely is the last couple weeks of October. The reason being is because, well, there are challenges in the promised land. There have been financial challenges. There are logistical challenges. And there are bureaucratic challenges. The last one seems to be nipping at my heels a lot more than I ever thought it was going to be. And uh, all I can say is hopefully this week we had some positive news after a pretty rocky week this week. They actually um, are trying to work in favor of us, but there's codes. And so though it appears like there's a mass amount of parking in this retail complex, they say that we are 100 parking spaces short. I'm like... What do you mean there's nobody there on a Sunday morning, right? We've paid for traffic studies, these kinds of things. They're trying to do their due diligence, right? And they know that we're going to grow, right? But if you would, just keep that in your thoughts and prayers this week because we're trying to overcome that hurdle. And if we can, the next week, and I can hopefully announce to you when we are going to make the crossing. Now, in Joshua, it said three days from now, you're going to be making the crossing. Well, it's not in three days, but I know it's in a few weeks. 
And we have to prepare not just the facility, because there's still a lot of work to be done there, but we have to prepare our hearts and our lives. So prepare this month for the crossing. Prepare to consecrate yourself, because tomorrow, next month, God is going to do some amazing things. And the challenge that was front and center with Joshua was the challenge to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. It's interesting, that phrase, strong and courageous, because as I've tried to lead us forward in this effort over the last few months, going back to April, I guess, that's one of the phrases my wife has said to me. Carrie, be strong and courageous. Because there are always obstacles in moving the kingdom of God forward. Because there is an adversary. And it's not the government. The adversary is the devil himself, the enemy, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. As it says in John 10, 10. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. So you ready to go with me? You ready to cross over? Yeah. You're ready to... (laughs) Thank you, Kimmy. I appreciate that. I got one person awake down here. We're not crossing yet. We're going to have a crossing Sunday. It'll be a unique Sunday. Trust me. We'll identify when it is. I, pardon me. You've got to remember. I've done this a couple times before in other churches, locations, moving and seeing God just break out in some new dimensions. And one of the things I'm most excited for really is for you. Because some of you have not seen God move significantly in a body of people that captures your heart better than any winning football team. And you say, I'm a part of this. This is the body of Christ. And it's not about numbers. It's not about signs along an interstate. It's about change and transformation that happens in your life and in the lives of those you have touch with. It doesn't get any better than that. Will you pray with me as we lead in this study? Jesus, this morning, we do acknowledge that your Holy Spirit is present in this place. And as we just sort of bring this series concerning Joshua and the Israelites crossing onto the on-ramp of our lives this month, I pray, God, that you would give us clarity Clarity as a body, but also clarity as individuals in what you're calling us to consecrate to you. For Lord, we do pray for your glory that you will do amazing things among us. Amen and amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. A strategic change in the story of the Israelites. Moses has died. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. Moses, isn't it interesting? Everybody would know who Moses is, and there's movies made about it, and and the Jewish people, Moses is their forefront person of spiritual uh, leadership uh, of the people of Israel through the the centuries. 
Moses was described as a servant of the Lord Yahweh. How would you like that tag? How would you like to wear that name badge or have that on your resume? Moses loomed largely. He's the one who ascended Mount Sinai. He's got the Ten Commandments. He came down. He saw the glory of God. Moses, the one who crossed the Red Sea and the staff that he he could perform the miracles that brought about Pharaoh's demise with the plagues. Moses, powerful Moses. He is now dead. Uh Uh-oh. Oh no. Who I got any volunteers? Anybody want to take Moses' place? Anybody? Moses, I appreciate that. You go for it, girl. Moses. You want to take Moses' place? Any of you? Well, I don't know about you, but there would be a little bit of hesitation on my part. But God had prepared somebody to take Moses' place, and it was Joshua, son of Nun. Joshua. He was actually the servant of Moses. Joshua. Do you remember when they tried to go into the promised land once before? I mean, it was 40 years earlier. I mean, and God said, go check it out. And they sent Joshua and Caleb and others. And it was only Joshua and Caleb that came back that said, we can take it. And God said, you lack of faith. You go wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And everyone died except Joshua and Caleb from that generation. Moses was dead. Joshua was taking the reins. And I tell you what, even though Joshua had been sort of shadowing him and and in apprenticeship through the years, that was a scary step. But God said to him, step up. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. It's time. Let's move into a new dimension of Historical parameters, yes, for the Israelites. But let's move into a new dimension of my work on earth. I will give you every place where you set your foot, God said. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country and to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. Now, how many of you are good with geography? You like geography? How many of you really are dependent on your GPS to get somewhere? How many of you would just rather see a map and I'll make my way and turn there? We're all sort of getting dependent now on the GPS. I understand that. In fact, I showed a map to one of my older sons the other day. He says, Dad, why do I need to look at that? Because you need to know sort of where you're at and where everything else is at. I don't care. I just want to get from here to there, right? It's a different generation. I understand that. I like geography. I like sort of knowing my whereabouts. In fact, it was funny. I was thinking it was we were worshiping here, recalling five years ago when I first came. I went back when I went back to Indiana. I, I started studying and thinking because I didn't really come then until November to, to be lead pastor. And I learned everything I could about the Temecula Valley. And one of those things I learned five years ago was there's there's this segment of a road that didn't go from here to here. And I said, why doesn't that road go from there to there? And it was called Clinton Keith. <laughs> And I said, that would be a really important road to connect from here over to that interstate. And what you know, God got that completed just in time for us to, to do the crossing. And I, I like geography. I like to know where things are at and where I'm going, right? Don't, don't show me turn left, turn right. That's my wife. I just want to say, just give me the map and then I get a feel for where it is and, and we'll make it there. Now, how many of you know the geography of the Middle East? 
maybe a little bit. You hear a little bit here, there, nose. All right. This promised land deal, you need to dial into because this was where God laid down his work and continues, I believe, to this day to be operating. And this simple diagram of the promised land of what was said there about the Euphrates to the Lebanon to the Mediterranean to the desert. It's in that triangle there. God came to them all the way back to from Abraham, Moses, and then to Joshua saying, I'm going to give you a promised land. And that's the promised land. Now, what countries lie in that triangle today? Do you know if you got your geography down, right? Over on the Euphrates River, what's that? That's Iraq. You go up towards uh, Lebanon. Well, there's Lebanon. What, what is the countries up there? Syria and, and Turkey. All right. You've got Jordan's down along there. All right. And then what's down to the south? You have it there on the map. You got this pretty good. Saudi Arabia, Egypt. All right. That triangle represents in general what is spoken again in Joshua 1 as God saying, I'm going to give you this land. Now, was that land just sitting there, uh, prime land with retail signs on it for anybody to come into? No, it was not. There were challenges before them. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... Can you imagine Joshua receiving these words audibly from God through the Spirit? I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now there's a lot you can unpack in this very verse. Some of you need to know this today. You feel God's abandoned you or maybe God's never even been there for you. And you're just sort of trying to figure out if God has any part in your life. I want you to know today, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who gave a promise of the promised land, the God who was with Moses, the God who was then with Joshua and on into the history, even up through to, to this very day, that God says to you and I, I will be with you. We don't sing a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Because we don't have scripture that tells us that. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Jesus said to them, it is to your benefit that I go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to be with you. That spirit, the Holy Spirit that you can invite into your life. If you want to be a Christ follower this morning, that Holy Spirit is the same God of the universe. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is an awesome thought. That great God can be a part of your very essence. Is he? You want God? Turn to him. Follow him as Joshua did. Jesus will say the same to you through his spirit. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Is this such a prominent thing? Well, a few chapters early, and in fact, part of me wants to say, why don't you go back and read the last four chapters of Deuteronomy before you read the first four chapters of Joshua? It's sort of a continuum kind of thing. But if you go back four chapters into Deuteronomy, you'll find the same exhortation from God, be strong and courageous. That exhortation in that chapter in Deuteronomy, when Moses is facing death and all that thing there, is that 
he is saying it to the whole body of people. Here he's saying it to Joshua, but he would say it to you as well. Some of you are in a difficult, dire place right now, and you need your spouse to come up alongside you, as my wife has to me in the last recent months, and just simply say the word of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because we can suck it up and have determination and grit it out? No. Because the God of the universe is with you. That's why you can be strong and courageous. I am with you. This is not about a religion. This is not about going to church services. This is about a mystical, powerful reality of life that God can possess your very essence and live with you. And if he is with you, if God is for us, what does scripture say? Who can be against us? Be strong and be courageous. It comes back and it says it again. In verse 7, in fact, it repeats it over and again. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, I I need to let you know something again and again and again? Sometimes it's like, I know, I know, I know, I know that. Like, you know, students sometimes, your parents are like, I know that. Well, guess what? When you get older, you sort of forget things a little bit more. And so you need reminders. Well, this strong and courageous is an ongoing reminder to Joshua. It's not because he forgets, but because I believe the level of fear. You got to remember what stands before them. He says something else, though, besides be strong and courageous for knowing I'm with you. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, and you will be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first um, books of the Bible, okay? That was their law. Now, we as believers in New Testament era, we don't always smile upon the law. Oh, the law, that's like legalism and rules and oppressive. But God came through Jesus and gave us grace. And so sometimes we don't look at the law as as something favorable. But you got to understand it. They did not see it as legalistic, a bunch of rules. They saw it as life-giving. For the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch talked about God's covenant relationship with his people. So this was pretty cool stuff. The law, man. In the law, we hear that God is for us and that God wants to have a relationship with us. And in the law, it teaches us things. Teaches us how to act and, and how to have life that's as God intended. They were endeared to the law. They taught their children the law. And so God says to Joshua and to the Israelites, not only be strong and courageous, but hey, hang on. Be careful to obey all the law. May it always be on your lips. May you meditate upon it day and night. And be careful Don't do the, oh, I think I'll pick this, and I think I'll pick this, and I think I'll pick this. I'll pick that. But these other things, oh, I don't want to do those. No, obey all the law. I've been having some angst in my spirit, actually, over the last number of months. Maybe it's just this growing reality of where we are as the evangelical church and our culture and and some of the fallout that's happening in different pockets. But then I look at my own life, and I get frustrated. I'm like, where are we as Christians Why do we compromise obeying all of God's word? Why do we sort of pick and choose on certain moral issues? Why? Because we like convenience. And we like to not have the word that scripture says is like a two-edged sword cut us to the quick. 
Read, meditate. Some of you still doing Proverbs? I hope so. After we went through those few weeks. All of it, day and night. So be strong and be courageous and be careful to obey all of Scripture. Then, what does it say? Verse 8, then you will be prosperous and successful. Did you come up here today and here today wanting to be prosperous and successful? Well, you're not going to find me teaching a prosperity gospel, a wealth, name it, claim it kind of aspect. But I will tell you this. If you are strong and courageous because you have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you because you're a follower of Jesus. And if you seek to obey all of the law, God's word, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Oh, it may not be in the way you think sometimes in the eyes of the world, but when all said on the end day, it's like this is a successful, prosperous person. And God is for you this morning. God is not out to make you have a miserable life. He's out for you to prosper, to be successful. You can just check that off your box. You don't even have to think that he's any other way towards you. Is he grieved by sin? Is he, is he concerned about your double-mindedness? Sure. But he doesn't kick me when I fall. He helps me up. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all of God's scripture. And you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, God. Can you see Joseph, Joshua doing that? You're like, oh, okay, got it. No. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Some of you need to take a picture of that. That needs to be a verse you maybe should memorize this week or or print out and put up on your mirror. Do not be afraid. Some of you are facing some challenges, some decisions in your life. You need to hear Yahweh through His Spirit remind you of the truth that Joshua is reminded with. Verse 10, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord, your God, is giving you for your own. Here's a question I just want to present to you on a personal level. Is there a promise that God has spoken to you in prior years. It may be something to do with what he wants to do with your life, relationships that you long for, maybe um, just a sense of meaning and purpose that you know you're wired for, and you feel God's given you that promise, but it's sort of disappeared. It's not really on your dashboard anymore. It's been so long ago, you've just sort of forgotten that maybe God, maybe I just, I wasn't even hearing God. You know, I thought about that with me coming here. You need to know that I have a strong impression that God was going to call us to rock the valley. God's calling us to change people's lives. There's no question about it. And I'm not into grandiose numbers and big mega church, all that kind of stuff. That's not where my head is. My head at this season of my life is for real, authentic Christ followers bringing change and transformation to communities. Towns, villages, neighborhoods, workplaces. And when he laid on my heart, Carrie, I want you to go and rock the valley. That was a promise he gave me. And there's times where I want to just forget about that and go, oh, I'm sorry, I sort of said something a little aggressive when I came. 
Maybe I shouldn't bring it back up. There's not that many people maybe that remember. No. Rock the Valley to me means having a vibrant, thriving ministry. And we're well on our way there. But we have. We have places to go. Not just geographically. We have places to go spiritually as a body to be all God's called us for. But what about the promise that was given to you? Maybe it wasn't a land. Maybe it was a career. Maybe it was a family. God is not forgetful of the promises he puts before you. And so he told Jordan to tell the people to take possession of the land because God had promised the ancestors long ago. Now, the next few verses describe something we'll probably look at the next couple weeks somewhere, where there were two tribes of the 12 tribe, actually two and a half, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who had already set up camp on one side of the Jordan River. And they were building homes and had their place, but they were being called to go with everybody to cross the Jordan to take possession of the promised land at large. And then they could go back to the other side. But he exhorts them, and then they come back and they say this in Joshua 1.16. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go, just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. They were repeating back to Joshua that which Joshua had spoken to them, that which God had spoken to them, and God had spoken at that time to Joshua. I want to do a flashback real quick. The flashback is six centuries earlier. You see, this promise didn't come about overnight. Six centuries before, the Lord had said to Abram or Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Six centuries. Anybody been around for six centuries in here? Think about that. God had been working on this deal with his people for six centuries. And it started by God telling basically someone else, Abraham, to be strong and courageous. And he told Abraham to leave his homeland. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haram. That was his hometown, or his his intermediary hometown. He took his wife Sarah, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they'd acquired in Haram, and they set out for the land of Canaan, which was the promised land eventually, and they arrived there. Says this then in Genesis 12, 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. That was 600 years before. So he built an altar there to the Lord who he had appeared, who had appeared to him. This here is a map of where Abram started out. It sort of represents a little bit of that triangle. Isn't that interesting? Ur the Chaldees in the lower right-hand corner is where he grew up. A passageway through the Babylon. He ended up in Haran, which is in modern-day Turkey, right over the Syria border. And then he called him to continue on from there. And he came down into the Canaan area. He did make an excursion into Egypt and then back into Canaan. But this is the God. This is Abraham, the one who is giving the promised land. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord said to Abram in verse 1, verse 3, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. But the verses I skipped in going from where that was to the diagram are these verses that are critical for us to understand this story of Joshua. God said to Abraham, six centuries before Joshua, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my own people. I'm going to come back to this. That verse right there is at the heart of what the promised land was all about. God is not foremostly interested in giving Israelites property to build houses on. He was giving them the promised land so that they could receive blessing, prosperity, and success from God so that they then could bless others. You've heard the phrase, you are blessed to be a blessing. God's plan was for all people, all nations, all people everywhere to be saved, to be followers of him, to be ushered into the kingdom of God. His plan was to take a group of people and say, look at these folks. Incredible, isn't it? I am blessing them. And they'll step back and go, whoa, look how blessed they are. And then their testimony would be what? God, the one true God. He is the one who has blessed us. And you too can be blessed as we have been if you seek and follow him. Not all your idols Not all the trappings of materialism or the next car or the next house or the next job that's going to pay you some more so you have more spending money to just go off and do vacations and trips. That's not where the blessing is. The blessing is being in the heart and the bosom of God Himself. And if you pursue that, you will be blessed. And the Israelites were blessed monetarily. The height of the Israelites was at King King David in the golden years, right? But if you want to have blessing, seek God. And once you get the blessing, you will be called not to sit on it. You will be called to bless others. So question comes to you and me concerning the promised land. Are you sitting on your blessings? Or are you giving your blessings to others? I believe one of the callings for us as a church in this crossing that we're doing is for us to give our lives away to people that we don't even know right now. But sometimes we go, I don't have time. I don't have the finances. I I don't have the energy. And God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so that you can turn around and be a blessing to others. Because I want to establish in America, in the Southern California, in the Temecula Valley, a body of people and with others from other churches who have interest, a body of people that so resonate who I am. that people stand up and go, man, I want what they got. I want what they got. And they will be drawn to God because of the blessings you have and the blessings that you're sharing. 
If we walk in to the Marietta Crossing facility with clenched fists and crossed arms and what's this mean to us and what change is going to happen around here or somebody sits where I used to sit now that's a new chair arrangement and oh my goodness, I can, I'm glad having the kids in the same building but I can sort of hear those kids over there. Would somebody fix that problem? And it, we get all my, my, caught up in the minutia of things that are sort of consumeristic Christianity. And God said, wait a second. Wait a second. You are blessed to be a blessing. This commission to Abraham six centuries before Joshua carries on to today. And this is at the heart of why he wanted to give them a promised land. Not so they had geography, but so they had prominence and place of influence. God's not interested in our building He is interested in our place of influence, not for our glory, but for his sake, that we would push forward into new dimensions of ministry so that we can be a blessing to people this very hour. Maybe some of you are even here today that you're broken and you're crying out. Is there any help for me in my life? Can there be a change? And we step forward and we say yes through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what happened from him, though, Abraham, Moses. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they ended up as slaves in Egypt. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. The ongoing story, we now come from Abraham to Moses. And here with Moses, he's seeing his people broken and in a place of need. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, the thing I highlight here is this good and spacious land. And God, he's a vision caster. I like this. Here's God doing some vision casting through Moses. A land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know. I don't really like milk and I don't really care for honey. (laughs) It was descriptive of a prosperous land because milk comes from livestock and the livestock could thrive in this area. And honey, honey comes from the nectar of plants and and the honeybees would be able to go everywhere because it's just an incredible place. God says to Moses, for the people caught in slavery and brokenness and don't have any hope in their valley in Egypt. I am going to give you a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Man, sign me up. Sign me up. But then he says, oh, yeah, it's the same land that has these enemies. Oh, what do you mean enemies? And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So go now. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. We don't know the exact route they took from Egypt to the promised land. We do know they crossed the Red Sea. We do know there's Mount Sinai somewhere where the Ten Commandments were given. We do know they came up to the south side of the promised land, modern day Israel. And they, they didn't have faith. We can't take them on. And so they went roaming for 40 years. Some of us, we roam a long time because we doubt God. But now they've come up. That little blue dot between promise and land there is the Dead Sea. This time they were going to enter from the east side of the promised land. They were needing to cross the Jordan. Martin Luther King Jr. 
the last sermon he ever gave, the day before he was shot and killed, on April 3rd, 1968, in Memphis, Tennessee, he gave this message, I've been to the mountaintop. Maybe you can hear the words echo and ring in your ears. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. Almost predicting his very death the next day. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight and I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Powerful statement. We still have race broken relationships in our world. We still have the division of have and have nots. All kinds of politics are rolled out to be able to try to resolve it. But I tell you what. It's only going to be resolved by us stepping into the promised land of being in the presence of God and him working through us. I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. The promised land is a blessing so that we can be a blessing to others. Our move, our crossing is about those who are in need. About those who do not even know Christ other than maybe as a cuss word. About those who maybe have heard of Christ or even maybe have made a simple decision to be a Christ follower, but their lives are broken and they've not found the fullness of the abundant life Christ came to give. We are being given a blessing to bless others. That blessing is the spirit of Jesus himself. And as we move forward to rock the valley, may we lock arms together and take possession of the land. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord when he returns someday, but the coming of the Lord when he moves, as that first song said, in a powerful revival in our midst. You know, Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, it says in Luke 4. As was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it said this in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. (laughs) And then he boldly said this. He rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of everybody in the whole church were fascinated. They fastened right on him and he began By saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the blessing we've been given is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who brings good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. Sight to the blind. Who sets the oppressed free. And who proclaims the Lord's favor. Our mission has always been. For the last five years, well, four years, I guess, when we renamed the church, the Awakening Church, that we would lead people to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. That is our calling as we make the crossing. Be strong and courageous in the Lord Jesus Christ. But be careful to obey all of God's word so that we can bring good news, freedom, sight, and the Lord's favor to others. And what will happen to you and I and to us as a body of people?
then we will be prosperous and successful. Joe, would you and the team come and just lead us maybe in a refrain of that new song you taught us? Joe showed me the song this week, and I said, yep, we need God moving amidst us of us. Revival has always been something that's at the core of who I have been as a follower of Jesus. Revival meaning wakening up to the love and the truth and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so may this be our declaration. We'll continue next week stepping into Joshua 2. You're welcome to study before and after all that as you will. But the ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, your connect cards and your life group commitments. But may we cry out as a people that the Lord would pour out upon us His blessing so that we could bless others.